get it. Eh, it's just a dead animal, Chewie. Chewie, well, wait, don't! Nice work. Great, Chewie. Great. Always thinking with your stomach. You take it easy. Let's just figure out a way to get out of this thing. Han, can you reach my lightsaber? Yeah. Sure. I'm not sure that's such a good idea. It's a very long go. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 305. We have learned much. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Qui-Gon Jinn to my Jar Jar Binks, we have Carl LeClaire. <laughs> that won't be necessary. Oh, but it is. Just demanded by the gods it is. <laughs> oh, no! What's this? A local. Now, let's, let's go before more droids arrive. More? More did you speak? Excuse me, but the most safest place would be Ganga City. It's where I grew up. Tis a hidden city. City? Can you take us uh, there? Uh, on second thought, no. Not really, no. No? no. It's embarrassing, but uh, my afraid might have been banished. My forgotten. The bosses will do terrible things to me. Terrible things to me going back there. Do you hear that? Yeah. That is the that sound, is the sound. Of, the, of the terrible things heading this way. If they fight us, they will crush us, grind us into tiny pieces, and blast us into oblivion. Ah. This point is well seen. This way. Hurry! Oh, man. So hopefully you're still listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wampus Lair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we are, um, of course, we don't we do not have Katie this this week with us. Um, but Jason and I are celebrating. This is the this week marks the seven year anniversary of our first ever Wampus Lair podcast episode, which is, again, crazy to think. Um, so we wanted to take this opportunity just to get back together, uh, just the two of us. And talk a little bit about what we've learned from each other in the past seven years of Star Wars podcasting. Um, some of the things that we've imparted to each other insofar as our own Star Wars knowledge. And just talking a little bit about a little bit about that, unpacking that, and just like a general consensus of, of how much our knowledge of that galaxy far, far away has grown in these past seven years. And um, you know, before we do any of that, though... I do want to give a, a special thank you to Katie Veru. I, I apologize if I said your last name wrong. Um, Katie took the time to, to write us a uh, iTunes review this past week. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do that, Katie. And again, we encourage you, if you've not done that yet, to, to please take maybe just a couple moments to, to write a quick review. Again, it really just helps the, the show be more visible. Um, and 
as always, we appreciate that. Yes. So thank you, Katie, for taking the time. Um, and we are saving our matchup um, until next week because we really want Katie on to, to break this down as she is such a diehard Poe fan and Kylo fan. And if, yes. in case you forgot, while we were discussing the premiere of Resistance last week, we figured we had to do a matchup that had to do with piloting. So again, it's kind of that what-if scenario if Poe had, ha- had managed to get his X-Wing fighter out there when, when Kylo and his fighters were attacking um, the Raddus there in Last Jedi, and who would have won in a, in a um, starfighter duel between Kylo Ren and Poe Dameron? So we will be posting that this week on our social media for you to for us to break down on next week's episode when Katie's back. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, so um, Jason, I've learned a lot from you in seven years. <laughs> well, I I. I'm glad because there's sometimes I'm like, I don't think I bring much to the conversation, but I feel like I've learned a lot from you too. So, you know, it, and it's one of those things. And I, I was telling you this a couple of days ago when we were talking about the topic. Um, it's one of these things where I think it was very difficult for me to, to pinpoint exact things that I've learned from you, Carl, because yeah. we've been doing this for so long that I've just sort of picked things up from you by osmosis and it's hard to, you know, and it, they just become part of my Star Wars uh, worldview, so to speak. Sure. Um, and so it was really one of those things where I was like, okay, let's go back in the Wayback Machine and try and figure out where I picked up some of these thoughts, you know, and, and what what you kind of helped spur in my own, you know, Star Wars worldview and thought process. And I, I've, I've definitely come up with a few, so... Um, I'm excited, but I think you have more. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you do, know, I don't know. It's funny because, like, you know, you do something like this for as long as we do, and and the thing that I love is now we've gotten to the point, especially doing top five episodes, where we can, in some ways, guess what you know each other's list might be, or at least things that might oh, yeah. be on it. I think in some ways uh, you've gotten better at predicting me, and that's in some ways I love that. Like, I still <laughs> like a lot of times we'll get down to your number one, and I I won't have known what it what it was um like when we were doing uh what's our last top five episode oh musical themes like musical. i had no idea that your number one was going to be what it was which was, duel of the fates yeah duel of the fates that shocked yeah me. i i figured that'd be in your top 10 for sure i did not think it'd be your number one um well there's there's heavy nostalgia on why it's number one, but yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> because it's what started my whole uh, downward sp- downward spiral into film scores. You know, I don't know if downward spiral is correct, but upward, Jason, upward, upward <laughs> spiral. Yes, into film scores. So yeah, that that's that's why. But yeah, no, it <laughs> heavy heavy on the nostalgia factor with that one. So yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean. That's how Yoda's theme fits into mine still. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there is there is definitely – and the funny thing is, is like you said, like there, there – I know there's been moments in these seven years where I'll be like, oh my gosh, Jason, that's really good. And I, and I have a few of those big profound things that you've shared over the years that, I, that I've remembered for the many years. But there's so many like other little ones where I know I'm going to forget them. So – Right. It's a little bit more broad, I guess. Um, yeah. What I was thinking yeah. about. I've got one very specific scene that you totally changed my mind on. And then the rest are kind of like broad <laughs> concepts and ideas that I, you know, that I'm, uh, that, that you've definitely helped t- 
to shape and broaden my horizons with. So, um, and some of these happened very early on too. So, um, or at least began very early on. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this though. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's such a weird topic, but it totally fits us. It does. It does. <laughs> and you know, like, I mean, it's been over seven years since that first Star Wars fan days experience, which was like absolutely life changing and obviously Star Wars experience changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm so excited. Uh, a close friend of mine, Ben, he and his son are coming out for their first celebration ever in Chicago this year. I can't wait to to experience some of that with them and, and see how much they love it. Um, yes. God willing, we get media badges because otherwise we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's sold out. But uh, you know, um, I'm I'm confident we will get there. But um, yes. but yeah, you know, like that experience was just so just so profound and um you know and in these seven years i think what's so fun is just getting to constantly think deeply about star wars and then talk about it on a weekly basis and not obviously not every week do we talk very deeply um sometimes they're you know um pretty straightforward (laughs) pretty or just straight up fun right um but i think that's equally important to to star wars fandom as well is that experience of fun um which actually like that's that's the first thing i really want to mention is um i think one of the greatest things i have learned so a lot of these things i'm going to say you've taught me to appreciate i think they'll start with that and i think that's important um but you really in in a very profound way have taught me to appreciate the kind of like childlike wonder that still goes into star wars um, I think you have such a, um, you know, like just simple wonder at things in Star Wars that, you know, for a lot of adult fans, and, and I'm not saying that you're not an adult because you obviously are, but for a oh, lot no, of Oh, no, I'm a complete child. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I think you can appreciate the simplicity of things like a child, and, 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 I, and I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, it, it makes me enjoy some of those little moments so much more um you know it 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 makes those stars twinkle like you know i can still look up look up at them in the way that anakin does in episode one you know like there's so many of them does everyone have a system of planets most of them has anyone ever been to them all Hmm, not likely i'm gonna be the first one to see them all (laughs) annie bedtime (laughs) What are you doing? Checking your blood for infections. You have a big day tomorrow. Get some sleep. Whatever it is. <laughs> Rest well, Annie. <laughs> Rest well. That's what it is. Obi-Wan? Yes, Obi-Wan. master. Yes, master. <laughs> I'm sending you a blood sample. I need a Medichlorian count. Just a moment, master. Just a moment. Over 20,000. 20, you master. You don't have a Medichlorian count that high. No Jedi has. What does it mean? I'm not sure. Shmee sneaking. Yes. Shmee creeping. Sne- Shmee creeping. Creepin', <laughs> creepin Shmee Skywalker. Um, I have a feeling we're going to do a lot of Phantom Menace quoting in this episode. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like you, you really help me appreciate more like that, that sense of Star Wars. Um, I mean – I always liked Phantom Menace, you know, and and again, I was at the perfect age when that movie came out. I mean, I was 13 years old. 
um, still just below that cusp of like thinking that sort of stuff wasn't cool. And I loved the movie then. And it certainly, you know, as I grew up, um, it didn't age as well, mainly because I think in some ways I did give in to like, it was cool to not like Phantom Menace anymore. Right. Um, and then starting to do the show with you, it's like, nope, I can love this thing because for all, like all the things I loved about it, like you appreciated too. Right. Like just the, the, I remember one of the first times before we ever did an, like an audio commentary of any star Wars film, you and I, one night we were just like, I don't remember if we were texting or messaging on Facebook, but we were texting, yeah, yeah, texting back and forth, just watching Phantom Menace. Like we queued it up at the same time. And we just kept talking so much about, you know, that feeling of innocence and wonder to that film. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is what Jason represents in Star Wars. And like, <laughs> like it makes so much sense that you love and appreciate it so much because I think it captures um, that goodness of innocence that you have and that you bring into your love of Star Wars. And I love that I get to share in that. Oh, well, thank you. That that's special. I I do I do try and take a moment to to look at the the little things, the simple things, you know, and, and appreciate them because, you know, we're so busy and so hurried and looking for everything to be so substantial nowadays. And it's like, but the little moments is what really matter. They're they're they're, they're what shape things. Um, you know, the, the old adage is character is who you are when nobody's looking. Mm. And it's those little moments that are, you know, shape the characters that, you know, into who they become and what they do. So I'd like to try and take a moment to look at things, even if it's like just the way the shot is composed. You know, oh, that, yeah. that's pretty, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so and I'll, there's quite a bit of that in Star Wars. So um the the one scene that you completely transformed my thinking on, though, I'm going to go ahead and bring that up now, is the uh, the balcony scene in Re- Revenge of the Sith. You're welcome. So, <laughs> um, you that was just one of those things. It was like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And then I forget what we were talking about, um, what when it came up, but you completely broke down the scene as to why you absolutely loved it, even. In spite of all the cheesy dialogue and and the you know the the cheesy acting in it you know everything you completely broke it down and talked about how much you loved it and why it was so important um, and you completely transformed the way I look at that scene and now I can't help but see what you saw in the scene you know how important it is that it is the only happy moment. That we get between Anakin and Padme in Revenge of the Sith. It's their one moment of domestic life where the cares of the galaxy are not on their shoulders. And what the glimpse that we have as to what they could have been as, you know, husband, wife, father and mother, you know. And they would have been goofy, embarrassing parents for Luke and Leia. Let's be honest. Um, so, <laughs> like we all have to some extent. But, um, you know, it, I, I cannot look at that, that scene any other way now because it is important. It is pivotal and it is tragic because what we glimpsed could not happen. Right. So I, I, and I thank you for, for helping to break down that scene because it is, it is good. 
when you when you look at it in the, in that backdrop, it is very key, very important, and very sad. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I know the first time I saw that movie, I thought nothing of that scene. If anything, I probably was just like, "Oh, this acting is so bad." Um, and the acting's the acting's fine. Like, actually, if you think about it, I mean, the lines are really cheesy. That's the that's the worst yeah. part of it in that regard. Yes. Um, yes, I think the delivery's fine. It's just cheesy. But again, like I think the reason I first fell in love with it was the music. Um, I love, you know, I love that, 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 and, you know, we obviously talked about this just a couple episodes ago when we were talking about our favorite music themes, because this is my favorite statement of the across the stars theme, right? Mm-hmm. It's played in this very, um, you know, just like fairy tale, beautiful, beautiful way. And, you know, it's. And then, you know, that music grabbed me and then the visuals grabbed me. I mean, I love I love city lights like I love still. I mean, I've been living in Boston for a decade now and I still will go down into the city at night and just like enjoy the the lights, you know, just like how beautiful, beautifully lit it is. So like mm-hmm. and, and the, the CGI is finally like perfect in Revenge of the Sith, right? Like it, they're getting there in Phantom Menace. They're getting there a little bit closer in, in Attack of the Clones. But specifically the nighttime shots of Coruscant in Revenge of the Sith are just so good. And they, they do seem so real to me. So with Padme standing in that veranda and like the background, it's like, oh, this is just like having like a great apartment in like the financial district. <laughs> like it's amazing. <laughs> and in the lines while cheesy. I'm cheesy. Every relationship I've ever been with, like I'm, I'm cheesy in them and I get it. And like, this is them, you know, like I've said a million times, but it's them just dreaming out loud together, which I think every young couple, I mean, they're a young married couple. Like they're starting to think about right for the, for one moment, like, you know, like you pointed out, Jason, it's like, there's this one moment where for once they're not worried about the weight of the galaxy that's on their shoulders in the midst of this clone war, in the midst of these Senate battles, they're not thinking about the repercussions of what's going to happen when the children become public, right? Like she's a senator, right. he's a Jedi. Right now, all they're thinking about is how great their life's going to be together. And I would imagine any young couple who's about to have their first child, like regardless of the fact that they're, you know, like in weird situations like Padme and Anakin. But that's a that's a scary thought. But I'm sure more than anything, what wins out is that that fear, that feeling of wonder about what what it can be and what you hope for it to be. And and I think that this moment between Anakin and Padme is incredibly human. While a bit stilted and corny, it's very human. Yes, I agree. So, so great. Well, you bringing that up, you know, it's obviously my turn to bring up my biggest thing, which I don't think you're going to be surprised by, but it is, you know, the appreciation you've given me for everybody's favorite Gungan. <laughs> uh, oh, my I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, boys. Hello, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when we started the show seven years ago, I wouldn't say that I hated Jar Jar Binks, but I certainly did not like Jar Jar Binks. Um, and... You know, and I loved him. <laughs> yes. Unabashedly so. And, yes. and again, I mean, this is part of the reason, like when, when I first met you that time at fan days, you know, we're sitting around that, that table at a uh, Whataburger and, you know, you're mentioning how much you love attack of the clones and you love Jar Jar Banks. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He's great. <laughs> and I loved it because you, you loved a part of star Wars that I don't particularly love. Um, and I liked that because it was so different from my own. 
Um, and I never, you know, not once did I feel the need to have to tell you why you were wrong or make you explain yourself to me as if you were, you know, again, needing to justify it. I just loved listening to you talk about these little things about him that you enjoy. And over time, like, it's just like, yeah, he really grew on me. And I will say like, you know, I, I went to that panel on Jarger, which at uh, celebration six, um, that, or no, what was the first one in Orlando we went to? Was that six? That, that was six, yes. Yeah, because then it became Anaheim, and then the next one was just Celebration Orlando. Right. Um, but uh, I know you you went to do a meet and greet with the Star Wars Report folks, so I went to a panel there. That brought, It was the first time I'd ever heard of Brian Young, um, and he gave a you know discussion on Jar Jar. And, and obviously, he, he has some really great stuff to say about him, but... I think even, but most of all, it's just like you, your, your constant love for him. It's, it's hard not when you love something that much. And I think this is true of just anybody in life. When somebody loves something so much and they talk about it a lot, it becomes infectious. You can't help but appreciate it. And that's the thing. Like I started, I mean, I always liked Phantom Menace and it got to this point though, where every time I would watch these Jar Jar scenes, I appreciated it because of the way you helped me unpack it. You know, he is this completely just good and innocent character mm-hmm. um and i appreciated him as such you know like that's what he represented to me just as he did for you and um you know and he is klutzy he is a bit yes of, he's a bit of a doofus and he's an outcast and i think that makes him so lovable actually and that's you know, that's the, the big thing Qui-Gon does. You know, Qui-Gon brings him in, brings him back into society, brings him back into culture, um, which is, by the way, the most Christian thing Jesus does in the Gospels is, you know, ultimately when he heals people, it's not about physical healing. It's more about bringing them back into society. It's making them part mm-hmm. of a family again. And that's what Qui-Gon does with Jar Jar. And I think you had that same, but even more so than Qui-Gon, you just had this unabashed love for him like i get him i connect with him he makes sense to me and and i appreciate him and he's silly and he's funny and again it's that childlike wonder and that's who he's there for and that's not a bad thing like that's not a bad thing at all it's a great thing no it it is he he is one of those things and, and, and again i i have a very personal connection to him from when I was a kid, you know, I, he was clumsy. He was friendless. He, uh, you know, was socially awkward, much the same. I was at the time when I first saw Phantom Menace and when attack of the clones came around, he was, you know, more integrated. He was still awkward, but he was, you know, had grown up a bit and was in the Senate, uh, you know, as a representative and was, you know, doing big, important things. And I was starting to, uh, you know, get involved in different things and become aware of, of you know, things uh, outside of my own little world and that sort of thing, you know. And, and so I grew up with Jar Jar. Yeah. Um, so I had a very personal connection to him. And I, again, you know, I, I simply thought he was funny, you know, back in the day, you know, what I still do. I still find him amusing and funny, and every time I see him on screen, I just smile. You know, I I can't help it. I I love the guy, um, and I distinctly remember um, early on within the first year, we we had a conversation about Jar Jar on the podcast, and I think I said I'm going to wear you down on him. <laughs> I think I said that. Um, yeah, that sounds about or right. Or something to the something to that effect. Yeah, and. 
and I have. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> and I'd have to, I'd have um, to look in look back, but I know we did a top five Jar Jar episode with Chris. Chris D. Remember, Chris came on and joined yes. us. And yes. I know that was the first time we concretely had to like think. Like, I love doing those like top five moment type things because it. It's what proves why you love what you love in Star Wars, right? Like if you can pick those – I mean I think there's a goodness in the fact that like obviously like little side characters in Star Wars that we love. Like Embo. I love Embo even though he doesn't have a ton of development. People love Boba Fett even though he doesn't have a lot of development. Well, actually he had like no development in the originals, right? And that's – I don't mean that as like a, like a, as a criticism. It just – it didn't but like the look of him was enough. So I think there's a goodness in just liking something for why, but that doesn't breed a long conversation usually. No. Um, but when you think about like, well, why do you like somebody like Jar Jar? Well, I like this moment. I like when he does this because it represents that. And like getting to do that particular episode, first off, was just a lot of fun. And, and I love yes. Chris. And it's always great to chat with Chris. Um, but also it's like, okay, let me now look at these movies and um, – I mean, you obviously are, when you're talking about Jar Jar, you are most specifically looking at Phantom Menace because his role is so minimal in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. I mean, it's pivotal in Attack of the Clones, but it's still not large um, right. in so far as screen time. But, you know, you look at those moments and you're like, wow, there are things about him that are really great. Um, like, to this day, like, my two favorite things about Jar Jar, like, my favorite comedic moment, of course, is when he says, hello, boyos. Like, I <laughs> love that line. Hello, boyos. <laughs> <laughs> And all it's the R2 so, units just sort of look at him and whistle. <laughs> it's so great. He just, you know, he's just, he just wants to be your buddy. Um, yep. And, and then I've yep. always, and now I, I mean, I just really love that moment when he's talking with, with Amidala there on Coruscant and talks about, he has, you know, he thumps his chest. And he says, we have got a grand army, you know, you know, like. Risa warriors. Risa got a grand army. Yeah. I mean, he, that's why you know liking us, Misa thinks. Yeah. It's this great little moment where. Jar Jar is so incredibly proud of where he comes from. He's so incredibly proud of his culture and his people. And it's not, again, like it's not over and against, right? The Gungan perception of the Naboo in Phantom Menace, right? When we at the start of that movie, like when Boss Nass is basically saying we so no like them, Boss Nass and I think the majority of the Gungan people assume that the Naboo think they're better than them. That's the perception right. that's come to be commonplace. And I love in this moment with Jar Jar, and I bet you there are definitely some Gungans who think they're better off without the Naboo. They're better than the Naboo. But you've got, this mm-hmm. again, this great innocent character like Jar Jar where he just loves his culture not because it's better than but because he just loves it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think yes. that's a wonderful thing about Jar Jar um, and, and, and something that I think – I mean it's wildly important to, to our own culture. Like I mean it's great to love one's culture. It's great to love where one comes from. But – it's always also equally important to be humble about just because you love it doesn't make it the best. Like that's not the impression I ever got from Jar Jar in that scene is it's not like, no, you know, we're the best. We're great warriors. It's just like, I love my culture. Like I know we can survive this. And then mm-hmm. it's his, I like that, that love of his own culture sparks something in Amidala, right? Like we can do something more. We can work with the Naboo to take our planet back. Right. So his innocent thought breeds this ground for reconciliation. Again, yeah. he doesn't consciously know that in the same way that he doesn't consciously know he's being manipulated in Attack of the Clones, right? 
the right. way Masameda and and Palpatine play him there. They're playing on his innocent, naive goodness and his, you know, but you look, you, you, I mean, actually, if you think about it, those are two really great contrasting moments for Jar Jar because his innocent naivete there with Amidala, who's a good person, it triggers mm-hmm. that deep goodness in her to c- create this kind of reconciliation. But then you've got, you know, these, these manipulators like Palpatine and Masameta who mm-hmm. see that innocent goodness in Jar Jar and manipulate it for their own ends. Right. So you put Jar Jar with good people, he will do good things, but you put him with bad people and they'll probably manipulate his goodness. Yeah. Take advantage of him. Yeah. So, man, you know, this kind of flows into one of the things that I wanted to talk about that I've learned from you. Um, and that is taking the lessons and, and the things in Star Wars that we learn and pulling them out and applying them back in the real world, you know, and looking at, at how everything is applicable. Because when I, you know, when I first was really getting into Star Wars, it was an escape. Mm. I loved it. And it was a total escape for me. I would dive into Star Wars so I didn't have to think about everything else. And and I wasn't necessarily fully like that when we started the podcast, but you started to make things click for me and be like, oh yeah, I can, you know, start turning this this view around a little bit and and not have this be just a one way street with me diving into Star Wars. I can pull things back out with me too. Um and that's just one of the things that, you know, this is a, a broader thing that I've, you know, I've learned and, and appreciated from, from you, Carl, is that the, it is important to not only find the lessons in these things, you know, even if it means that we're looking way too hard at something to find it, <laughs> False, um, which we do, you know, <laughs> but it is equally important to to find the lessons in order to you know understand how it affects the characters but also how it can affect us and how we can take those lessons and learn them and internalize them so that we can then apply them in our own lives you know so uh, that's one of the those things that i don't necessarily have any specific instances or or a lot more to say about it but that's one of those things that definitely you have helped shape the way i approach star wars um it's not just an escape anymore it's it's this fluid thing that i go in and out of and it comes in and out of me and it it flows and it's not just this pool i dive into it's it's more of a a vapor now and it just (laughs) permeates everything (laughs) i'm glad i can help you vape um, <laughs> ah yes, I vape Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that that means a lot. Thank you. Um, and and I, you know, I, this is the beauty of Star Wars, right? Like everybody, and and you and I yeah. both obviously. It, this the point of this particular episode is we're sharing these things. But I know, I mean, there's things from obviously Katie has already taught us so much in the little time she's been with us. We've learned yeah. things from just people, you know, on all of our social media through emails, like. Everyone has a unique and interesting take on Star Wars in some way, shape, or form. We're, you know, again, lucky enough that we have the time and space to do something like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, for sure, Star Wars is more than just movies. And, uh, you know, I think 
I'm certainly open. I know at the end of the day, yes, they are still just movies, but I really value the fact that these are deeply mythical stories. And as deeply mythical stories, they ought to have something to teach us about the real world. And, you know, now all of a sudden it's, it's not, it's not good to say something is an escape, right? Because we think of this idea of escape as like, okay, I want to escape the real world and just live in this fantasy land. But I've, I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately is actually the goodness of escape for the purpose of reshaping your real world. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is, um, so shocking. I'm going to make a bit of a biblical example here, but um, oh, there's a, there's a shock. <laughs> but if you look in if you look in the Gospels, Jesus, whenever he's about to make a big decision, he goes away on his own. He escapes the crowds mm-hmm. to have like this one on one experience with with God, and then he comes back changed by that experience and then reshapes things. So I think there is an inherent goodness in escaping and and in escaping in a fantastical story like Star Wars that has these big larger than life themes and symbols playing out on a big screen that you can then internalize in such a way that when you go back into your lived experience you can change that you know so i think mm-hmm. in a way yeah star wars still is an escape for me but it's an escape in the sense of i often will come back to my real world experience changed by what i escaped into it's not like i escape there and and I know for some people it is an escape because they need to get away from things. And I, that's not inherently wrong either. But I no. think in some ways, too, it's an escape for us to get away from kind of the crazy chaoticness of everyday life. And even if it's nothing more than just a two-hour escape into a world that you love and feel comfortable and safe in, that's inherently good, too, because you're going back into the chaos of your life a little more calm. And that's not a bad right. thing either, right? Like no. There's such no, a goodness in that. You know, um, like Yoda says, you're going to know the, you're going to know the decisions in life to make when you are calm at peace, passive, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so, you know, like a line like that is so true for even just the simple escape of star Wars. You know, I think of solo solo is the perfect, like popcorn, fun, pop music, pop movie. And if it nothing more than you just escape into that movie for a great smile and a great time, well, you know what? You're going to go back if you're feeling a little overwhelmed you're going to go back into that overwhelmed experience a little less whelmed, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, and that's, that's a good thing too. Yeah, exactly. It is. So, um, I really like star Wars. I do too. <laughs> do you, do so, you have something else? Yes, I do. Um, okay. and, uh, I've, I have a couple more things, but you know, this, this is kind of a more broad one and, um, it's just my overall appreciation of the prequels. Um, and while that has certainly been something that has grown over the seven years, I'm, I've always loved Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. I've for the longest time didn't really care for Revenge of the Sith. I've always been kind of, it's always been middle of the road for me because there are things about Revenge of the Sith I love and there are things about Revenge of the Sith that I just think are a real drag. Um, and I still think that, but overall, like this overarching story of the prequels, um, you've really unpacked it for me in such a fun and deep way you know in the way that like i mean while you and i are very close in age for the most part we still grew up in a period of star wars that was different right like i was growing up with star wars in the like mid to late 90s before the prequels came out so the ot right the special editions were coming out but the original trilogy was still everything right it was what i you know it's what 
captured your identity of Star Wars. Um, so, you know, I read every little thing I could about the OT. But when the prequels came out, um, I don't know, like the, the originals were still just kind of my favorite Star Wars. And it wasn't like prequels weren't Star Wars. It was just they weren't my favorite Star Wars. Uh-huh. But you got into Star Wars right as the prequels were essentially coming out. And that really became your Star Wars. Um, you yeah. and millions of others, right? Like, uh-huh. And I think you like the prequels permeated you in the same way that the originals permeated me. And because of that, I can learn so much from you. And I will say that obviously this is a very recent occurrence, but when we watched the prequel trilogy over three nights, when we were in San Francisco this summer, that is the best experience I've ever had watching the prequels without a doubt. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Like I loved it. And I remember the first night we were there in San Francisco, we were sitting out on that back patio having a glass of wine and you were talking so much about like Dooku, the character of Dooku and I how love much, that guy. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I, I've always liked him too. But like the thing I really like is, you know, you were really pointing out like, you know, this is a character who is not black and white evil the way that like he kind of is made out to be in the films, right? Like this is a guy who left the order because he was upset with the corruption of the Senate and you know, he is ultimately trying to fix things. He's not 100% aligned with Sidious in some ways. And I remember we were, you were talking a lot. And again, like, I wish I could remember more of the specifics of what you were saying that night. And then we were talking more even again the next day when we were actually watching Attack of the Clones. And there was just so many good things. And again, I can't remember all of them. But, I, you know, we were talking about that moment um, with, you know, Obi-Wan you know, and, and Dooku and, and on Geonosis there. And, yes. and I remember asking him like, you know, do you really think that he is sincere with Obi-Wan? You're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, he's definitely, he definitely sees Obi-Wan as a potential apprentice to overthrow Sidious because Dooku thinks that he's got the better mind for what to do as opposed to Sidious. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think Dooku was definitely looking to play the long game against uh, against Palpatine, um, and Obi Wan would have been a good person to have on on your side in that kind of thing. I think when Obi Wan turned him down, Asajj Ventress became you know much more Dooku's focus, and she's a much less mature person, yeah. and therefore was not able to live up to what Dooku really wanted. Um, Dooku was definitely very subservient and and respectful to Palpatine when they were together. But if you look at some of the things he did and some of the things he says when he's not under the watchful eye of his master, um, he's definitely maneuvering for his own seat up at the top. Yeah, you know, uh, because he is so disdainful of the corruption. And everything, and believes that he has the right way to to solve it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, he's definitely twisted and corrupted by Palpatine. But his motivation is, I got to clean this place up. Nobody else has the the ability or the the vision to do it except me. Right. So, which is a bit of a grandiose kind of thought, but you know, he's not. 100% evil um, in in the way that Palpatine is. So Right. Yeah. And I mean, and you can see that on his face, right? Like after he strikes down Obi-Wan and Anakin in Attack of the Clones, like there is this look on his face of, 
I, don't, I still don't know exactly what it is, but it's clearly one of almost remorse. Yeah, like, it's like, why did we have to get to this point? Right. You know, why couldn't the Jedi have seen the way things were going? And why do I have to be the one on the outside? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you think of that moment when, you know, they've got, you know, what's left of the Jedi armor, army that came to Geonosis initially surrounded. And, you know, Dooku calls for their surrender. And I really don't think Dooku would have slaughtered them. No. Um, and then, you know, I'm sorry, my old friend. Like, I think he means that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, right? Like, I, I always loved the novel Labyrinth of Evil, and I should reread that at some point. Um, but it's the one that takes place right before Revenge of the Sith. It's James Lucino that wrote it, or Lucino, mm-hmm. I don't know how you say it. Um, I think it's Lucino. Yeah, but he, he, he explores a bit in there, like, Dooku finding Sidious, how that all went down. And I don't remember all the details, but it's pretty good. And, like, Dooku leaves the order... Um, simply because he thinks it's become corrupted. It's not because he wants to go become a Sith. Sidious seeks Dooku out because now Maul is presumably dead. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like I think Dooku sees this as an opportunity to gain more power, but he's obviously looking for someone to help him usurp Palpatine too. Oh, yeah. Um, so oh, in, I think in Dooku's eyes, he is noble, right? Like, Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Um, do you think, you know, you know what I've, I've been meaning to ask you this. It's a little bit off topic. Well, it's on topic cause it's Dooku. Do they called him count Dooku even as a Jedi, which is just odd to me because that's obviously he comes like, he's the count of Sereno, right? Like he obviously comes from like this, some sort of Royal lineage. Do you find it odd that even as a Jedi, he's still referred to as count? I don't think he was. Okay. Um, I, they, you know the the Jedi still ref, refer to him now as Count Dooku when he left the Order because he went and reclaimed his family title. Got it. Um, I think he was just Dooku, you know, Master Dooku. Okay. Um, it would be interesting to find out what his first name is. Um, I hope it's not like Sheev. You know, <laughs> I, I prefer to just leave Palpatine as Palpatine. Um, oh, so, what Sheev? Sheev is Palpatine's maybe, first name. Maybe Firmus, like good old Piet. <laughs> so that was I just ordered my I was I'm sick and tired of Target never having new black series so I just ordered it off Amazon the the six inch uh, Piet that was my seven year anniversary gift to myself <laughs> there you go I had to spend there a couple extra bucks but Firmus is worth it um, there you go <laughs> um but yeah so anyway that's you know, that's a big thing too is just like your your appreciation and and real deep knowledge of um of the prequels is 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 astounding and again it's it's been years so do you remember like back in the day when we used to do some trivia stuff with like the sarlacc pit and a few other people yes and we always won um and i knew i could always count on you for the prequel stuff that i didn't know i mean i know a lot but you know more by far than i do but i loved it because it's uh-huh. like this is great like that's the perfect team so oh yeah Oh yeah, um, but that's why we brought Katie in because she knows the sequels now the best. So you know, right. we, we we know if we're going to continue to compete, we need someone to help us with the sequel trilogy. So uh-huh. that's um, for sure. Now, granted, Katie knows a ton about both trilogies already, but you know, she I think she has an edge on us with the sequels. <laughs> so I think so too. <laughs> so um, right. anyway, well, let's see. Uh, let me go ahead and pull one of these other ones out here for you. Um, <laughs> this was this was sort of a uh, just kind of a, a, an amusing one, uh, but it's 
the awesomeness of non-force characters, you know, like Han and Chewie, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the appreciation for non-force users. Um, the the Jedi have always been my thing, you know. Obviously, you know, I, I was introduced to Star Wars with the special editions, but the prequels is really where I dove in, you know, without looking back. Yeah. Um, and so the Jedi have always been my my characters my guys they, they they've been the ones i've always pursued as far as additional information and that sort of thing um and it wasn't that i didn't like the other characters but i just didn't you know consider them as much because i like the almost superhero aspect of the jedi in a way you know it was something to to aspire to you know that kind of thing but you've really helped develop my appreciation and the ability to look at, you know, non-force users and characters like Han in particular, um, especially with the release of Solo, um, in a way that I've never done before. So, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that I'm like, well, duh, Jason. If you, <laughs> you when I when I stop and look back at it, it's like, well, duh. There's obviously fantastic, amazing characters that don't use the force. Don't be a dingleberry, um, but um, but it's it is one of those things. Especially early on, uh, it was one. Of, they weren't on my radar in terms of what I wanted to pursue. It was the Jedi and the Sith. That was it. Um, but they're only a you know one part of this galaxy far far away, and so you. You know, having Han Solo as one of your favorite characters and and making us do top five Han and Chewie episodes, Twice. you know, moments, you know, <laughs> and that that kind of thing, you know, really made me stop and go, OK. The Jedi are awesome, but there's a whole bunch of other incredible stuff out here, too, you know, and it wasn't one of those things that was like some big revelation. It was just. You kind of kept making you kept making me look up and go, oh, okay, which I appreciate. So, and then we we have a a Star Wars movie with no Force users in it whatsoever, and I love the crap out of it. Yeah, Solo was flipping amazing. So, I, I mean, I sure like it. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, actually, fun fact because I don't want to forget to mention this. Um, so when this episode comes out on Thursday, which actually is the exact seven year anniversary of the show that night, we will be doing an outdoor screening, um, at the college I, I work at, at, on the quad with the outdoor screen of solo and it will be my 25th viewing and, um, it'll be the big kickoff event for the star Wars club this year. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh I wish I could be there. Yeah, although we may have to move inside. It's supposed to be thirty-four Thursday night. So, <laughs> so I said to the this the this the student president. Her name's Emily. I said, Emily, uh, I think we might need to move this inside. She's like, Yeah, we have a backup space indoors. I'm like, Okay, good, <laughs> good, because um, thirty-four is awfully cold. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite Hoth, but it's close. Right. Maybe yeah. Vandor. It, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's it's more like Vandor. <laughs> but you don't have Han's awesome fur coat, so right. And we won't be running around stealing stuff, so we won't have our adrenaline pumping. Exactly. So, 
Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll run into the cafeteria and steal some French fries. I don't know. Um, <laughs> don't worry. I'm just the campus minister. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, no, well, I'm glad. Like, I, I, and we'll go. I'm going to piggyback right off that and, and, and mention um, you've obviously given me an increased appreciation for duo characters, most notably R2 and 3PO. <laughs> um and you know droids have always been great background characters to me in Star Wars like um I do like I I appreciate them I enjoy them I like they make you feel comfortable they make you feel like you're in that galaxy um and they're still like they're still not, like not favorite characters of mine like they are for you but um yeah I mean I think again like you what you've helped me learn about particularly R2 and 3PO is that 3PO is the nervous one, but he's he's funny and 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 anxious, but he's also a great storyteller. He's there to witness things. Mm-hmm. And you know, R2 is the ultimate hero in he is. the first six films. And still to this day, I feel for you. Like I still think they have messed up royally with the sequels by not really including R2. Um and 3PO he's okay. 3, 3PO got his Three PO was back in form in Last Jedi. Sure, um, yeah, but R2's- Force Awakens, eh? Last Jedi, Three PO was back to form. Yes. Um, so, and I get like wanting to add BB Eight, but like you don't have to decrease something to bring something new in. Um, right. But yeah, like I, I mean, again, like I obviously have my issues with R two and Inspector Gadget, R two and, and Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> I don't need more of that, but it is weird that he's been sidelined pretty much all of the sequels. Um, yeah. I mean, he has that great moment for sure with Luke in Last Jedi, you know, where he plays yes. the old hologram. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. scene. Um, but I feel for you there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've just really come to appreciate the camaraderie of those characters. And in a way, like you and I, they're very different. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think either of us are are perf- we're not encapsulations of those two characters, but we are no. encapsulation of the sense that we are very different um, and yet get along so well and enhance. Perfectly complementary. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. And the other comparison I want to make too is, I mean, I've, you know, I mean, obviously Rogue One's a newer film, but, you know, cheer it and Bays. I yes. often think. Like that's even in a way like a nice metaphor for us. Like you in the way that like as much as I want to be cheery, I'm more like Baze, which is hot headed and kind of <laughs> gruff sometimes. But you've got like in the way that Cheerit always has his faith, you've always got your um like childlike wonder, your optimism about things, even when things don't work for you, like you just focus on what's the great part. And mm-hmm. I think that like your optimism has redeemed time and time again some of my pessimism. And that's not to say like I mean I, there are things about some Star Wars things I don't like, and I know same is true for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've definitely helped me to just focus on, you know, nine times out of ten, you help me keep the focus on here's what I do love. Um, yeah. And even for the things that I don't like, like talking about it in an intelligent way, not just being like it's stupid and it sucks and I hate it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, well. It, it is one of those things where, as much as we love and and have such an affinity for Star Wars, and in the way that not only is it just a, a you know the most important fandom to us, it, we also you know build it into our lives in, in a way. We we have done that, uh, but it is still fiction, and and there's no point 
in having this this thing be such an important part of our lives if we don't enjoy it. So you know it. it my thing is is. Yes, there. You're going to have things that you don't like in anything, in any fandom, in any, you know, big important thing you decide to make part of your life. There's going to be aspects of it that you just don't like, but you got to focus on the good, and let those carry you forward, even yeah. when there are things that you don't like uh, going on. So, I that's that's just one of those things that's always been important to me. Is to remain. It, I work very hard on trying to may, may become, you know, an optimist. To be an, an optimist, it's not easy um, at times. But uh, with Star Wars, for whatever reason, it always has been easy for me because there is so much that I do love about Star Wars. Um, so I just try to make sure that I help. <laughs> I try to help encourage that in others when I see them uh, getting down. And you and I just happen to have this close proximity on a regular basis. So um, that I'm glad that helped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, me too. My turn, right? Correct, sir. All right. Well, that is correct. You are correct. Um <laughs> This is uh this shouldn't be any surprise. Um your your spiritual knowledge is definitely something that has opened up my eyes in, in many ways to to Star Wars. Now, I I am definitely a spiritual person. I you know, you and I are both Christians. Um you are Catholic, I'm non denominational, so it's different uh takes on on there are different denominations there, but your not because it is your realm of study, you have a depth of knowledge and a breadth of knowledge when it comes to spiritual things, not only about the judeo Christian perspective but also other things like Buddhism and things like that that I just don't have the knowledge base of um, and so when you bring those things in i I know I know we have we've gotten some response back in the day, not any not anything recently in the last couple of years but we used to get responses like oh i don't i've always agreed with the spiritual stuff and you don't maybe you tone it down a little bit you know but thankfully even though we keep doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, we haven't gotten any kind of negative reaction or response to it in years now in like a couple of years now uh, i think people have just got tired of trying to tell us to stop um <laughs> but i always really enjoy it when you bring that knowledge to bear. And it's always something that really helps broaden my understanding because it, it connects it to something that I, I have a frame of reference for, you know, I've, I definitely have a very, you know, broad, very deep frame of reference for spiritual things. I just don't have the specific knowledge, um, that you have, in it, and so when you bring that to bear in our discussions, especially when we start, you know, delving into the force and stuff like that, I just eat, I eat it up. And I'm like, oh gosh, I can't wait. And I, so as 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 much as you sometimes, you know, try to contain yourself, I'm sitting here going, I'm good. I don't, I don't <laughs> <think> so. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I really love it and I appreciate it, and it's definitely something that help has helped my depth of understanding. 
uh, when it comes, especially to things like the Force and and the the teachings of you know Yoda and Obi Wan and things like that and Qui Gon. So um, that is something I I appreciate and I will always consider to be a very valuable part of 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 the discussions that we have. So. Well, thank you. No, I, I yeah. really appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, like you said, we've obviously gotten, we've gotten some, never anything rude, but you know, things in the past were like, Oh gee, maybe you should tone that down a bit. Um, and we, you know, we've always responded to that by saying, well, you know, we're not going to, because that's also part of our lives. And we see star Wars <laughs> in that lens too. Um, yes. And you know, I think it's too, like, it's twofold for me in the sense that like, I had, a, it, you know, for a long time, it was an academic study of mine. So I do think about it sometimes in that academic way. Um, but also, I mean, I mean, my faith experience has always been, you know, a, one of the most important, it, not one of the most important aspect of my life. So, of course, I see Star Wars in that way, too. You know, I mean, that was the whole purpose of starting that little segment on, on the Patreon of, you know, essentially just taking quotes from Star Wars and unpacking their meaning both in the film and then also you know, extrapolating that into our real lives too. You know, what, what can we take home from this? Um, because it's the same thing you would do like with a scripture study. Like when people do scripture studies, you look at, you know, there's always the first part of like looking at, okay, well, what's, what's going on in the context of this story here? Like what's kind of a little bit of the historical background, but then it's also, okay, but why, why is this still important today? And that was kind of what I was doing with that segment on Patreon, um, which is kind of like this, this idea of, all right, well, like, here's what's going on in the context of star Wars here. Why here's why it's relevant in that story, but here's why it's also relevant as a mythical truth in our lives too. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I can't help but do that with star Wars. Like I love it. <laughs> They're my two deepest well, passions. So the, don't stop. Don't <laughs> stop. Now I will say, uh, we have definitely gotten a lot of positive response Absolutely. to it in the past too. I, I want to yeah. make sure people out there listening know that is that we've gotten a lot of positive response and a lot of people who are very appreciative of the fact that we we do right. bring that ask that that kind of conversation into our discussions. So yeah, um, and, and certainly more so in that in that category too. We've yes. been overwhelmingly positive compared to you know the I don't even want to call them negative, but just the non-positive. So, right. Cause again, no one's ever been rude. So no, no. Um, but yeah, no, thank you. Um, well, I just have, uh, one more big specific thing. Okay. Um, and it's your take on Anakin as Hayden Christensen's force ghost. Um, <laughs> I remember when we, we first started talking about this years ago. Oh, we I, did. I, I always hated that change. And I, you know, again, was very hot headed in the way I would express that. And how much I we got. went back and forth on yeah. this for months. Yeah, and then I remember one time you came on the show. And we, we we were done talking about it. I mean, and again, like with with things in Star Wars, like we were, we were just like, all right, we're going to disagree on this. Like, I think this is stupid, and you think it's great. Fine, neither right. of us is wrong. Um, right. But then it was like a week later, you came back onto the show, and like you just had like this. I don't know. Maybe revelations too strong a word, but like you know, you just you're like, here's why I think it's so important. And, um, you know, basically you, you pointed out, I've, like, ri- I have written one blog post on star Wars report.com and this is it. Yeah. So <laughs> that was years, is, I mean, that's probably, that was, that's probably at least four years old now. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, you made this great point of, you know, and, and feel free to fill in what I miss. Um, but this great point that, you know, by bringing in Hayden for this, it's a way of, 
obviously again connecting this six part story, which at that time we thought was just a six part story. Right. Um, but also it's a way of showing that the force has redeemed the the sinful acts of Anakin and Revenge of the Sith, right? Like all the mis all the the poor deeds he did while he became Vader have now been redeemed. Um, yeah, it, so it's this more it, it's this holy salvific event type of a thing. Yeah, it, it is in many respects a forgiveness of sorts. You know, uh, not necessarily a forgiveness of the deeds, but a forgiveness of the man. Right. Um, and. And bringing him back to the point where he was that good, idealistic, you know, loving person. Not that he wasn't that at the end, but he was also so broken and and so far removed from who he had been, you know, when, when he's dying there on, on the, the uh, in the landing bay of Return of the Jedi. You know, he's he's. He is such a broken man. Even though Anakin has returned, it's not fully Anakin again because there's so much of him that has just crumbled and died. Um, the core of him is there, but the fullness of who Anakin was has did die in a sense in Revenge of the Sith. And so having him show back up in that form at the end of Return of the Jedi is – a redemption is a forgiveness um, and not just, you know, a, an attaboy, you know, yeah. it's, it is, it is a, a, not necessarily a, a complete purification, but it is a, almost a reset in a sense for him. Um, maybe it is a purification. There are still aspects of this that I, you know, consider, and and the the way I, I talk about it I, that I'm I'm still thinking about, and it still fluctuates slightly for me. But the idea for me is that it is a forgiveness. It is the, that was the word I think I used when I wrote my blog post. It is it is a forgiveness of Anakin, um, not of his deeds, but of the man, and that is why I think it is so important that we see Hayden Christensen at the end of Revenge of the, or Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So. Yeah, and. You know, and I've I've really come to to not be bothered by his presence there. I will say I still like I still do prefer Sebastian Shaw, um, although I'll never watch that version because I prefer the victory celebration song in the special editions <laughs> um, so much more to Yubnub. And again, I love Yubnub, but I prefer that the uh, the new piece. Um, so. For the longest time, it's like, well, I'll just stomach Hayden because I like this music more. But then it's like, no, like I appreciate this, like. I, I, I again, I like. I, I mean, I still kind of prefer the image of Sebastian Shaw, but I really like. I mean, I really think your point is spot on, and I think it makes so much sense. So I love yeah. that point. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. I, <laughs> it, it's one of those things that I feel like sometimes I sh- I need to bring back out and share again because uh, we we get new people in yeah. and or people that don't remember, you know, because it is. It is. It has been years since I first brought that point up. So you know, and it's so weird to say that it has been years. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, four or five years at least um, since we did we had that that major discussion. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm yeah. glad I'm glad that that that's one of those things that sticks out for you. Oh yeah. So it it has four years. So. You know. <laughs> Um, All right. 
Uh, I, I got one one last thing I want to make sure I hit um, with you, and this is um, I don't have anything super specific about it, but you you have helped me take time with the slow and the quiet moments with Star Wars. You know the mm. it, your enjoyment of the the more romantic music the the more beautiful music and the the dialogue heavy scenes in some cases and let's not forget um, this piece of music jason <laughs> i made you listen to this at least five times in the car on our trip to rancho obi-wan you're like you did it'd be coming to an end i'm like can you hit repeat real quick and you'd be like oh, okay <laughs> okay i love java's baroque recital <laughs> You crack me up sometimes. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. <laughs> but, but you have you have helped make me take time to really enjoy those slower moments. Because for me, Star Wars is is the action, it's the adventure, it's the excitement. You know, that is that is what really draws me to Star Wars. It's why I have so much fun with Star Wars. But that's not all that's in Star Wars. And so rather than just skipping from battle to battle to battle in my mind, you help me take the time to slow down and really go through the slower things and the quiet things and really see what's there. You know, not that I didn't do it before, but you're the you made me actually sort of slow down, stop and appreciate Um these these other moments so um and again i don't have anything specific uh super specific in mind with that it's this is just something that you know since that's more your you know what you really love in star wars and you want to talk about it (laughs) that forces me to slow down and consider it and to pay attention to it and now when i watch a new star wars movie or a new star wars tv show I'm paying attention to those moments because I'm like, what's Carl going to like about this one? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily, but, but, but I do pay more attention. um, Even on first viewings, you know, to those kinds of things. So, um, and I, I appreciate that. So always glad to keep things slow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, and then I'll, I'll finish with my last point because it's also quite broad and, and this is more of a testament to just the fact that I still love doing a podcast with you specifically is your love of so conversely your love of just all those action scenes like the the fun big blow em up battles and and of course I enjoy that I mean that's a huge part of Star Wars I'd be a fool to say I didn't but um your love and just pure excitement at those again goes back to kind of like my first point of how beautifully you capture just that wonder of star wars and you know this grant we haven't done a tales of the larian in like almost a year but maybe longer but one of the questions i always love asking people is how did how did you play star wars and how do you play star wars and the thing is is the most fun i have as an adult star wars fan is playing star wars by doing this podcast with you um and i mean that like in all seriousness like 
Uh, I mean, there's still some where I'm goofy. I'm running around my apartment with like my plastic casting gun or something. But you know that my my imagination for something like that is very short lived at best. It's more like I'm just feeling a little silly, or I have had a, I've had a couple beers and like I'm a little extra silly. Um, but um, <laughs> sorry for the young <laughs> people. But um, you know, but you know, like when we grow up, obviously our our imaginations change. Um. And and I was actually talking about this with a with a student the other day. They, they I got interviewed for the school newspaper. Like they did want to do a profile piece on me, which was pretty cool. Oh, nice! Um, and uh, I was talking about the importance the importance of imagination and and how we have to grow our imagination. And you have such a beautiful imagination still. Um, and 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 like I've always had one too. But you helped me validate my own by being so unapologetically willing to share yours. Um, that it makes wow. me want to enjoy mine more. And like, that's the thing. Like I don't run down and like grab my action figures anymore, but instead I run up here, plug in my computer and I hop on here. And this is just, I have just as much fun doing this with you today than I did playing with my action figures under my bed 15 years ago. Um, so thank you for that. That, wow. You're making me tear up here. <laughs> I mean it, buddy. Like I that love is- it. It's so fun. Oh my gosh, that is such a a really nice thing for you to say. Um, <laughs> I I don't. Oh, I'm a little taken aback. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh my know, gosh, wow, no, but it's a good time. It is. We it it a is a good time. time, and and imagination is something that is so very important to me. Um, not only because you know it. it Especially with the the career field I want to go into with acting, you know, it, you have to imagine things and you know create you know emotions and stuff for your performances. And you can't, you know, if you haven't experienced something, you have to create in your mind the the story that got you to this point. And you know, so that definitely helps with the the whole idea of where I want to go career wise. But imagination is something I find very important outside of that. You know, in normal life because i think that is what creates that sense of wonder is just having this wild imagination that i just simply over the years have refused to to put up the fences um in my head so that's kind of (laughs) that's kind of it um i it's why i'm able to look at things sometimes in such a childlike way and I, I I fully admit that you know there there is definitely when I go see a Star Wars movie it's like I throw my my mind back you know fifteen twenty years just not twenty years uh, no yeah twenty years holy crap um, sorry you know fifteen twenty twenty years yeah. I just throw my brain back there uh, and to enjoy Star Wars you know and it's and it's my imagination that helps me do that. Um, man, I, it is such an important thing to me that has become such a natural part of me that I don't think about it a lot. And the fact that, that you've picked up on that and, and said such nice things about it is really, I really appreciate that. It's very, very nice of you to say, Carl, uh, this man, Carl, Carl, there's a reason why I like podcasting with you because you see more about me than I do. And then I, I hope conversely that the, the same is true. So, 
Oh my gosh. Um, that was very kind of you. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, I couldn't be more real about that. I mean, I, I love it. It's so much fun. And, you know, the, the way you, you, you talk about, I mean, I know how like you really do want to get into acting, you know, more professionally at some point. Mm-hmm. And to me, you are like, I'm going to make a quick comparison with Star Wars actors. You are the Mark Hamill of the 1970s and 80s who was asking all the questions, who threw himself into the imagination of George Lucas to make his character come alive. And I've, I've shown some of the Star Wars films to, to past girlfriends who had never seen them before. And they always were like, the act, like that Mark Hamill is a really cheesy actor. I'm like, he's the perfect Star Wars actor though, right? Um, and I can get for like some pe- like film buffs, maybe it doesn't translate well overall, but he's the perfect Star Wars actor. But then, and, and I don't mean this as like a is an attack on Natalie Portman, but if you watch some of those behind the scenes things from like Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith, most specifically Attack of the Clones, where George is telling her what they're going to put in there on the green screen, and she's really having a hard time, I think, imagining that, and it, and that's fine. <laughs> like I get, it. I'm not making fun of that or saying that no. she does a bad job, but I think if you just look at that difference, like. Like, yeah, Mark did have the advantage of having more practical sets for sure, but the way he just had that childlike imagination to throw himself into it compared to somebody like Natalie, who's more of a professional actress. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just, I think, they're a just, bit of a difference. They're different. Right. It's and very I think different approaches. In, in some ways, like, while Mark had to deliver a lot of really corny, hollow lines, his imagination for it made them a little bit more believable than some of the hollowness of what comes out of. Natalie Portman's performance. And again, I'm not like, I'm not saying that she does bad or like that. They suck. It's nothing like that. I'm more of just making that comparison. Like you're like that Mark Hamill though. You're that Mark Hamill oh, yeah. who, if George was like, I'm pretend this is there. You're, you're, you're like, you're seeing it. You are seeing that 110% and you're living oh, yeah. in that. Um, and I think that's an important aspect for getting star Wars actors. Um, and I think they've done a great job with that. Like the sequels, you know, like the, uh, John Boyega has done so much fun with that. Da- Daisy Ridley's doing a great job with that. Even Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac, who is a more renowned like film actor, like they're having such a great time with it in that like kind of Mark Hamill school of Star Wars acting. Right. Um, right. It and, helps uh, to have him around. Right. Absolutely. So. <laughs> you know, and again, and this is not meant to be in any way like a, a way of disparaging Natalie Portman. I, I love Natalie Portman. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, I think it's just a difference of what one can do with one's imagination. You know? and, I, and I think in the prequels, the person who got that the most was Ewan. Yeah. Um, and Ian. Undoubtedly. And Ian. Well, well it's a bit Ian, different. Ian yeah. is just a professional in such, you know, in such a way that even if he doesn't understand what's going on, he knows what he's supposed to do. Sure. And so he'll do it. So even if he has no clue as to what is going on around him, he will completely buy into what he's supposed to be doing so that you believe him no matter yeah. what. So yeah. that's that's Shakespeare. Sure. That's his Shakespearean training coming out. So um, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. But yeah, no. I, so I, I mean I do. I mean this in all – in all sincerity, like, thank you for all that you've taught me about Star Wars these past seven years. And I'm hoping that we can at least do another seven years of this. Yeah, well, uh, thank you uh, as well. You know, that my Star Wars experience would not be as full uh, without having done this podcast with you. So, um, yeah, let's let's keep picking up these microphones, pretending that they're lightsabers. Let's keep grabbing these video clips, pretending there are action figures and just playing Star Wars. That's I what mean, this podcast it is. sounds good to me. You know, we're playing Star so, Wars. 
So, Sounds good to me. Yeah, and and honored that so many folks over the years have have taken the time to to play along with us. Yes, if you've listened to us, you know from the beginning, all seven years. Thank you so much. We appreciate you putting up with us. Um, <laughs> if you joined us, you know last week or whatever, thank you for that as well. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been a lot of fun doing this show for seven years and i'm honestly just glad that people think that two guys jumping on mics to talk about star wars because we just would be doing it with you know anyways um is actually entertaining and insightful sometimes so uh thank you for that yeah yeah so you know i think that'll that'll wrap this one up um but uh just a quick reminder before we go because we are continuing with our radio dramas so at the yes. end of this episode, if you, again, have been listening along, we've got episode four of the A New Hope radio drama coming up, Jedi That Was, Jedi To Be. So again, if you're interested, stick around after uh, after the end of the episode for that next episode of the A New Hope radio drama. And also don't forget, uh, you're going to see next week at the start of the week the uh, on our social media, the matchup reminder about our, our space duel between Kylo Ren and Poe Dameron. Yes. And Carl, if people want to weigh in on that matchup or weigh in on anything else we've talked about this episode or just what they're thinking about Star Wars, where can they do that? Well, they can, of course, uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, we're on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. You can shoot us emails at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to unlock some of the fun bonus episodes that we do on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash Wampas Lair Podcast. That sounds like a brilliant idea. You should you should do that, folks. Um, <laughs> anything else, Carl? Before we close down this uh, seventh anniversary celebration? Yeah, and of course, like a, a big shout out and thanks to Katie, who you know again uh, is is not here for this episode. We wanted to kind of do this and and talk about the seven years together, but we've loved having her these past few months. And, of course, you can always follow Katie on her Twitter at PoHotDamron. She's always got great things to say about Star Wars. Yes. So check her out. Check us out. And we're going to check out of this episode. So thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 305 of the Wampus Lair podcast. We have learned much. For Carl and Katie, who's not here, I'm Jason. We'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair.
Star Wars, Episode 5, Jedi That Was, Jedi To Be. time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there came a time of revolution when rebels united to challenge a tyrannical empire. In the rebellion's most desperate crisis, the fate of the entire rebel alliance rested with the astro-droid R2-D2, whose memory banks held secret plans critical to the struggle against the empire. At the edge of the western dune sea on the desert planet of Tatooine is the moisture farm of Owen Lars. Here, R2-D2 and his interpreter counterpart C-3PO have been brought following their purchase by Owen and his young nephew, Luke Skywalker. Once again, R2 has escaped to deliver his message to the mysterious Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ignorant of his mission, Luke and C-3PO must try to recover him before he comes to harm in the hostile wasteland scorched by Tatooine's binary suns. Master Luke, is that you? Shh! If my uncle finds out R2 got away, he'll skin me alive. Oh, well, I am fully prepared, sir. I hooked myself up to the charging unit last night. Good. I wish I hadn't banged up my skyhopper at Beggar's Canyon. It's going to be a lot tougher to track down R2 in the land speed. Shall I activate the ground level door, sir? No, no. I want to wake my uncle up. The main power is still shut down for the night. I don't dare turn it back on. Oh, I see. The need for stealth. Yeah, right. I'll raise the door manually. You push the speeder through. It'll float along pretty easily on this repulsor field. Yes, sir. Okay. The door's up just high enough. Come on, 3PO. Push! I, I, I must say, I, I agree with your precautions. Your uncle seems rather, well, irascible. <laughs> 3PO, my uncle hates spending money. He was against buying you and R2-D2 from the Jawas in the first place. Oh. If he finds out that R2's run off, I'll hop in. Master Luke, if I might suggest, I could take the controls, leaving you free to scan the terrain for tracks. Piloting ground effect vehicles like your land speeder is one of my secondary functions. Good idea. Let's go. Whoa, careful, 3PO. You have to use a light touch on her. Yes, sir, I see. This vehicle's steering response is excellent. I presume you maintain it yourself, sir. That's right. I like to make sure things work right. Uh, the night winds probably blew away the marks of R2's treads, but I figure he's headed towards whatever he was looking for when you two got captured by those Jawas. Our escape pod landed somewhere over that way. R2 seems obsessed with the area behind those mesas. Maybe we can pick him up on the scanner. If you're right, he's headed straight for the Junlin Wastes. I must say, Master Luke, this Tatooine does seem a desolate place. I simply cannot understand what drew Artu out here. He kept repeating that nonsense about his mission and secret plans, and this Obi-Wan Kenobi person. Well, there's a Ben Kenobi that lives out this way. My uncle got awfully mad when I mentioned Ben's name at the dinner table last there night. There really is such a person. Oh, yeah. I presumed Artu was in a state of hallucinatory malfunction, sir, completely addled. No, no, Ben's real enough. I've seen him a few times. 
All the older settlers like my uncle think that Ben is some sort of magician. Listen, if you swing a little left, you'll see an opening in the Mesa wall. You're very good, sir. Oh, yes, I see it on the scan. If I might ask, sir, just what sort of an individual is this Obi-Wan Kenobi? Well, he's real old, for one thing. He travels the Jundlin Waste and the Dune Seas on foot. There's nobody else that does that. He doesn't seem to need much from town, either. He's almost never been to Anchorhead. And you have met him, sir? Well, in a way. About five seasons ago. Still no sign of R2. Uh, sir, what is my best choice at this fork? Uh, left. Thank you, sir. It'll take us into the waste. My friend Wendy and I rode out this way on a do-back once. Pardon me, sir, but that sounds rather rash. <laughs> well, we wanted to get out on our own for a while. <laughs> but we were bored. We wanted to let off a little steam. I feared I wouldn't know anything about that, sir. The do-back threw us off in one of the canyons and ran away. We got pretty bruised up, and then when it got dark, we still hadn't found our way out. Oh, it was kind of spooked. There were a lot of weird sounds, and then we heard a voice off to one side. A voice? And it called my name. It was Ben Kenobi. Somehow Ben found us and guided us back to the farm. He told us a lot about what it was like to live out in the barren lands all along. In fact, it's difficult to conceive of anyone living out here voluntarily. But you know, a funny thing happened. When Ben took us back, Uncle Owen got real mad. And not at Wendy and me, but at Ben. You were bent off our farm and warned him not to come back. Anyway, Ben was looking at me kind of funny, like, like he wanted to say something. Uncle Owen wouldn't give him the chance. I'm not surprised, Master Duke. Your uncle struck me as a man who could become extremely irate. <laughs> Usually, but that was the weird thing. If I didn't know him better, I'd have said he was scared right then. <laughs> but, but look at these awful wastes. I suggest we locate Artu and leave at once. R2 couldn't have gotten this far. We must have missed him in the dunes. Well, you had just recharged him, sir. He could have made considerable distance overnight. Uncle Owen won't take this very well. Well, perhaps it would help if you told him it was all my fault, sir. Hey, that's an idea. He needs you for the moisture harvest, Repio. The worst he'd do is deactivate you for a few days and give you a memory flush. Memory flush? Well... On the other hand, sir, R2 would never have run away if you hadn't removed the restraining bolts. Wait a minute. There's something showing on the scanner dead ahead. Could be him. Hit it, 3PO. Right. He should be right in front of us somewhere. Look, sir, there he is. R2D. Great. Pull around next to him. Right. R2. Hey, whoa. Where do you think you're going? Master Luke is your rightful owner now, R2. Let's have no more of this Obi-Wan Kenobi gibberish. And don't you talk to me about your secret missions either. You're fortunate that Master Luke doesn't give you back to those Jawas. No, it's all right. Listen, I gotta get you two back to the South Ridge to work on those evaporators before Uncle Owen checks up if on us. If you don't mind me saying so, sir, I think we should first deactivate this little fugitive. <laughs> What's wrong with him now? Oh, my. Sir, he says there are several creatures of unknown type approaching from the Southwest. Sand people. Tuscan Raiders, there have been sightings all over the place. Okay, we'd better have a look. Freebio, hand me the map of the Do you think this is already... Come on, we'll just take a quick look. R2, you stay here. Watch those rocks, Freebio. Might be a little difficult. You could say that again, Master Luke. Master Luke, I 
was not constructed with the climbing of those rock formations in mind. I know, but from here we should be able to see whatever it was R2 detected. Hand me the macros. Oh, here you are, sir. Keep low. Now let's see. Do you see anything, sir? Well, there are two banthas down there, all right, but I don't see any Tuscan raiders that Wait. There's one. Standing guard. Hey, something's blocking no. me. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, raider! Defend yourself! <laughs> <laughs> Is Luke Skywalker? What? Well, hello there, little droid. Come here, my friend. But don't be afraid. Huh? Oh, don't worry. This young fellow will be all right. Luke. What happened? Now rest easy, son. You've had a busy morning. You're fortunate you're still in one piece. Few are lucky enough to emerge alive from a hand-to-hand -hand contest with a Tuscan raider. Who are... Ben? Mm-hmm. Ben Kenobi. Boy, am I glad to see you. Oh, yeah, take it slowly, son. That's quite a clout you were dealt. <sighs> what made the sand people leave? I imitated the hunting cry of a crate dragon. Their imaginations did the rest, and they took to their heels. Tell me, young Luke, what brings you out this far? Uh, this little droid here. R2-D2 here claims to be the property of an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Is that a relative of yours? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Well, I think my uncle knew him. Uncle Owen said Obi-Wan was dead. Oh, he's not dead. At least not yet. You know him? Well, of course I know him. He's me. What? And I haven't gone by the name of Obi-Wan Kenobi since, oh, before you were born. Well, then this little droid does belong to you. I don't seem to remember ever owning a droid. Yeah, I think we'd better get indoors. The sand people are easily startled, but they'll soon be back and in greater numbers. My home isn't far from here. What is it, R2? Oh, no, 3PO! Who's 3PO? It's C-3PO. It's R2-D2's counterpart. When that Tuscan Raider jumped us, 3PO must have been damaged. Well, then let's find him quickly. Every second counts now. 3PO! Oh, here he is, behind the rock. Good. Uh, no. 
Here's his arm. Torn loose, linkages and all. Help me sit him up, Ben. I'll try his reactivate switch. Here goes. Nothing. Try again. Master Luke, where am I? I must have taken a bad step when that sand person swung at me with his axe thing. Willis, can you stand? We've got to get out of here before they come back. I don't think I can make it. You go on, Master Luke. There's no sense in your risking yourself on my account. I'm done for. <laughs> what kind of talk is that? Come on, we'll help you to your feet. Go. The land speeder's not far off. Come on. Go. Now the sand people are on the move. Go. We'll go to my home. Come. your uncle's is rather grand. Sit C-3PO down over there in the corner. Uh, Come on, C-3PO. Let me see what I can do for you. Here's my toolbox. I don't think the damage is too serious. Thank you, Master Luke. Automatic disconnect released under the strain of the fall. It should be a simple matter of reattaching the shoulder linkages and activating the self-seagulls. Oh, I do hope so. Let's see. Yeah. Boy, you know a lot about droid repair for an old... I mean... For an old hermit? Well, I, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, I quite understand. That is part of the Jedi's creed. A Jedi? You were a Jedi Knight? Do you find that so impossible to believe? Well, it's just I've heard so many stories about the Jedi Knights and all the things they did. That... Ah, and I suppose I don't very much look the part just now, do I? Well, truth to tell, that's partially by design. But I was one nonetheless, and so was your father. My father? Yes. He and I served together in the Clone Wars. <sighs> no, my father didn't fight in the wars. He was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your Uncle Owen told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals. Thought your father should have stayed here and not gotten involved. I wish I'd known him. Mm. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy... And a cunning warrior. And he was a good friend. I understand you've become quite a good pilot yourself. Which reminds me, I have something for you. Sir, if you won't be needing me, I think I'll close down for a while and run through some internal checks. Uh, oh, sure, 3PO, go ahead. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan off on some foolish, idealistic crusade like your father did. I wanted to give it to you once before, but your uncle ordered me to get off your farm and never return. Right, when you saved Wendy and me. Mm. I remember that. Mm. You seem to know everything about me. Ben, you've... You've been sort of keeping an eye on me, haven't you? Let's simply say that I've kept abreast of your progress. Mm. Yeah, but now about your father's legacy... Well, yeah, what is this? I mean, it looks like some sort of handle. What is it attached to? What you hold is your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi. Now, carefully now, press that control there on the grip. It's a sword. A lightsaber. Its blade is pure energy. Now, take care with it. It will cut through anything it touches. 
you feel how readily it answers your least gesture. It's not as clumsy or random as a blaster. To use one well is a mark of excellence. Gee, it moves so easily. It's almost like it's alive. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. Yeah, perhaps that's enough for now. Ben? Hmm? How did my father die? It's uh, not a story to be told simply, nor briefly. Suffice it to say that there was a young Jedi who was a pupil of mine, perhaps my most brilliant one, until he was seduced by the dark side of the Force and turned to evil. He betrayed your father and murdered him. His name was Darth Vader, and he helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. It's the sort of tragedy that occurs when even the finest of people are seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? The Force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. And this Darth Vader... Uh, it is, as I said, a long and complicated account. It will have to wait for another time. Ah, yes. R2-D2, my unexpected emissary. Now, let's see if we can't figure out just what brought you here and where you came from. Mm, mm, yes. His control systems are quite conventional. I saw part of a holographic projection, uh, some sort of message he was carrying. I seem to have found it. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars... Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I'm unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid that my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the security of the Rebellion into the memory system of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely to Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Who is she? She is the Princess Leia Organa of the Royal House of Alderaan. An Imperial Senator. And unbeknown to the Empire, a leader of the Rebel Alliance. She's grown into a remarkable young woman. She's beautiful. Indeed. Well, Luke, you must learn the ways of the Force if you're to come with me to Alderaan. <laughs> Alderaan? But I'm not going to Alderaan. I'm, I'm, I'm late. I'm in for it as it is. But I need your help, Luke. She needs your help. I'm getting too old for this kind of thing. But I can't get involved. I've got work to do. And it's not like I like the Empire. I hate it, but there's nothing I can do about it right now. And it's such a long way from here. That's your uncle talking. Oh, my uncle. How am I ever going to explain all this to him? Learn about the Force, Luke. Look, I can take you as far as Anchorhead. You can get a transport there to Mos Eisley Spaceport or wherever you're going. You must do what you feel is right, of course. What I feel is right? Ben, I'd like to help you, to help her. But do you think it's right to run out on Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru? 
They're all the family I've got, and I'm not going to let anything happen to them. And if that's not right, well, I'd rather be wrong. Yes, of course. Sometimes even the best intentions may be contradictory. Perhaps your answer lies with the force within you. Very well, I shall take you up on your kind offer. I must make my way to Alderaan as quickly as I can. You all right back there, R2? How about you, 3PO? Oh, quite comfortable, thank you, sir. Getting to Anchorhead with the droids would have presented a formidable problem if you hadn't offered me this ride, Luke. I really wish I could do more for you, Ben, but the sooner I get these droids out on the South Ridge working on those evaporators, the less of a skinny I'm going to take from Uncle Owen. Luke, I'm afraid the droids will have to come with me. What? But they cost my uncle nearly everything. Surely you don't think I can leave them behind. You heard that message. Well, this matter is far too vital to risk losing R2-D2, and for security's sake, C-3PO must come along as well. But what will I tell my uncle? I shall leave that to your conscience, son. What's that? What? There, off to the south. Where? Smoke. Something of great size is a fire. I don't see... Oh, yeah, there it is. You've got good eyes. Powers of observation lie with the mind, Luke, not the eyes. Yet perhaps we should take a look and see what it is. R2, 3PO, hang on. Yes, sir. It's a Jawa sand crawler. But look, it's been shot to pieces. There's dead Jawas everywhere. Why, those are the dreadful little creatures that captured Arthur and myself. Must have been the Tuscan Raiders. I've got a very bad feeling about this. We better get out of here. No. Whoever did this is gone, Luke. Sir, Arthur informs me he detects no life aboard the Sandcrawler. The poor creatures. Their lives were arduous and meager enough without being ended so brutally. Looks like the sand people did this all right. Look, goffy sticks, bantha tracks all over the place. It's just... I, don't know, I never heard of them hitting anything as big as a Jawa sand crawler before. They didn't, but we are meant to think they did. These bantha tracks here are side by side, you see. But sand people always ride single file to hide their numbers. Ben, these are the same Jawas who sold 3PO and R2 to Uncle Owen. And these blast fire impact points on the bodies in the sand crawler. Too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Stormtroopers? Hmm. Why would Imperial stormtroopers want to slaughter Jawas unless... The droids. The droids. And if they traced R2 and 3PO here, they may have learned who the Jawas sold them to, and that would lead them back... home. Wait, Luke. It's too dangerous. Luke! Come back! Give the Jawas what decent funeral we can. Uh, pardon me for asking, sir, but where is Master Luke going? I mean, he will come back, won't he? That I cannot tell you. 
it's tied in with a great many things to be determined now by the force. Come, let's get this done as quickly as we can. Everything was gutted, burning. I called out for Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, but they didn't answer. Easy, Luke. Easy. There was practically nothing left of them. They were all I had, the only family I've ever known. And when they needed me, I wasn't there. There was nothing you could have done, Luke. If you'd been there, you'd have been killed as well, and the droids would now be in the hands of the Empire. I want to come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi, like my father. Luke Skywalker is about to undertake a journey to a distant solar system. And a journey of the spirit as well. No matter that an empire is against him, he is moved by vengeance. But he is moved too by the image of a young woman in terrible danger. Luke Skywalker is soon to become a pivotal figure in the galaxy-wide struggle between rebellion and empire. <laughs> Star Wars, Episode 5 by Brian Daly. Based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Featured in the cast were Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, and Bernard Behrens as Ben Kenobi. The series was directed by John Madden, with sound mixing and post-production by Tom Vigley. Music by John Williams. Sound design for Lucasfilm by Ben Burt. Story editor for the series was Lindsay Smith. Casting and production coordination by Mel Saar. Executive producer was Richard Toskin. Executive producer for Lucasfilm was Carol Teitelman.